Have you ever stopped to consider the long-lasting effects in our lives brought on by choices that we've made? Some decisions have little effect, while others cause a ripple effect that can be felt for years, even generations. And it's kind of a heavy thought. Today, I'm going to tell you about a time a split decision I made left me with a huge mess to clean up, and it was a mess that I would be reminded of for years to come. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to Walking on Water, where our focus is to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What's the storm in your life? I'll never say that it's easy, but Jesus changes our perspective. He gives us courage to do life differently, to throw off the victim mentality that threatens to drown us in our pain, and he gives us the tools we need to live a victorious life. I'm your host, Lynette Carpenter. Let's discover more about the power-filled, faith-filled life Jesus invites us to live. Hi there. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first time to Welcoming on Water, I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much for stopping by. So I want to start off by telling you about a no good, very bad day in my life. Um, And it happened quite a while ago which is probably why I'm feeling like I can actually share about it now. You know those days where you just kind of wish you could forget about it, but somehow it always comes back to haunt you. Um, It was 15, probably 15 years ago. Um, Yeah, my kids were pretty little, and I lost my temper in a pretty big way right in front of them. So, okay, my goal as a mother is to always emulate Jesus to my kids, and I really failed this particular day. Now, I'm sure that there are worse stories out there, but there's a lesson that I learned through this particular situation that has stuck with me, and I think you're going to understand why here in a little bit. So at that stage of my life, my kids would have ranged between the ages of eight down to about a year old, and there's four of them so that, you know, I was outnumbered. There's more of them than there is of me. And I remember on this one particular day, I had loaded them all up into our minivan, and we had to head into town. I had a few errands to run. And I, you know, I'm a go-getter, make a list, get, let's get this done, knock it out as fast as I can. And so um, we're, you know, checking things off. And our last stop was at the grocery store. So I grabbed two carts because I needed one just for kids and one for the groceries. And I remember Tyler being my my oldest. He was my little hero. He helped me kind of navigate our convoy through the aisles. I felt like we drew so much attention. <laughs> Probably not as bad as what I remember, but I I remember one lady um, just kind of giving me a death stare, and she she made a comment to me about Tyler being too young for me to expect him to help me like that. And I was I was irritated. It you know you could start to feel the irritation rising inside of you, and you bite your tongue to not say back what you want to say. So you know whatever, moving on. But the irritation continued to grow as my kids' behavior <laughs> began to spiral. It had been a long day, and they were done. They were tired. I was tired. Halfway through my list, I remember I had one kid begging for everything and another one trying to climb out of the cart. And then Kobe, the baby, he was fussing and probably needed a nap. I'm thinking, I hear you, kiddo. I need one too. Still, I I kept my cool. I felt like every eye was on us as we're pushing through the last of the aisles. and, And like I said, I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it seemed in the moment. 
But by the time I was standing in the checkout line, I was exhausted. I remember feeling almost like I was having an out-of-body experience (laughs) with my kids. You know, everybody's just moving in slow motion and I'm standing there just like, this is not my life. This is not my life. This is not my life. But anyway, have you ever stopped to think about how many times you have to handle your groceries? This is why I love pickup, uh, grocery pickup now, right? Because I counted it and it's it's six times that you have to pick, handle your groceries before they actually land in your pantry because you take it off the counter and into the cart and then out of the cart onto the register and then from the bagging area to your cart and then from the cart to your vehicle and then from the vehicle into your house and then from the counter or wherever you throw it in the house into your pantry. And that's a lot of work and add to that um, herding cats along the way, you know, your kids, it just starts to, you know, make for quite an adventure or frustration, however you want to look at it. Needless to say, on this day, I was not faring well. I was tired. I felt alone. I felt judged. I felt frustrated. And I felt like I was just hovering above myself, watching myself dig through my purse between all the gum wrappers and wet Kleenex, trying to find um, my wallet. So by the time I'm in my vehicle driving the kids home, I was in a bad mood. I was irritated and I was abundantly ungrateful. I get home and begin unloading the kids and the groceries, hauling everything into the kitchen and putting the everything away. I remember that the crying and the fighting among the, among the kids hadn't stopped and I tried to ignore it. Now, I wish I could tell you that this is where I stopped to address the children. I wish I, had been, I hadn't been so task-focused that I let the situation continue. I could have done so much better, but I didn't. Instead, I let my frustration get the best of me. I had had it. I grabbed the nearest thing which was, unfortunately, a plastic bag of powdered sugar. I remember raising it above my head and slamming it hard on the counter in front of me. I tried to stop myself in the middle of it. As my hands were raised in the air with that bag in my hands, I knew what was about to happen, but I had fully committed myself and there was no going back. And after that, only a picture could fully describe the scene that unfolded. The bag of powdered sugar exploded upon impact and it sent a cloud of fine white dust everywhere. I I mean, everywhere. And in that moment, time stood still in the carpenter home. It was the first time all day that I was experiencing some blessed quietness. Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Tyler, he's looking up from a bag of groceries a little ways away, and he just stares at me. Amy peeked around the corner from the dining room, and Corey stopped his whining from somewhere under the table. I remember looking down at Kobe, (laughs) and he's just staring back at me in amazement as he's hanging on to my pant leg. I stood there in front of my children, blinking powdered sugar out of my eyes, and I was filled with shame and regret. I wished so badly that I could hit rewind and start the whole day over. But instead, I was left with white counters, white appliances, a white floor, and white hair, and four speechless, somewhat white-covered children watching to see what their mommy was going to do next. 
And so there in the quiet, I stood there and I just, all I wanted to do was hide. My bad day had just gotten so much more complicated because of my own choices and my own reaction. Okay, so God has used that memory from that day to teach me a simple but profound lesson and one that has stuck with me through the years. And it has to do with the long-lasting effects of sin. I cleaned up my mess that day, okay? I was discouraged. I was defeated. I felt shame and frustration that I had let myself respond in a way that had added so much more work to my already stressful day. I mean, think about it. Now I had cabinets to wash both inside and out. I had floors to mop. Everyone needed a shower. I had to wipe down my groceries. I had to wash my hair, my ears, my nostrils, the car seat. You get the picture, right? I had a huge mess on my hands because I couldn't control myself. And we would go on to live in that house for a couple more years. And up until the day I moved out of there, if I tried hard enough, I could still find remnants of powdered sugar hidden in the cracks of the doors or in the hinges of the cabinets or along the lip of the countertop. I mean, as hard as I tried, I still was not able to rid our home of all that that fine powdered sugar that it had found its way into all the crevices and cracks of our home. And each time I would see that, God, in his kindness, would remind me that this, Lynette, is only powdered sugar, but it is a picture of sin. I'm reminded of the account of Cain in Genesis 4. He's the son of Adam and Eve. God came to him and he said, he warned him. He said, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you and you must master it. Cain was raised like I said, by some of the most famous people in history, Adam and Eve. And I can't help but believe that he would have heard the stories of of Eden and seen the look of regret on his parents' faces as they would remember that fateful day with the tree and the serpent and the end of perfection. Regret. That's, That's what I felt as I stood there amazed at how much I had just complicated my life. Yes, I apologized to my children. Yes, I repented for my anger. Yes, I cleaned up the mess. And yes, I was forgiven. But as it says in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. Just because there is forgiveness and restoration does not mean that life goes back to how it was before. Sin alters. It changes things. It shatters relationships, it changes reputations, it destroys trust, and it has the potential to destroy family trees and leave in its wake a path of destruction. Destruction that can be cleaned up, repaired, forgiven, yes, but forever changed. I see it happen over and over again. And I know, I know the pull towards sin, the desire to please myself over God. And God gets such a bad rap for people's choices, doesn't he? Have you ever noticed? We are so bought into the belief system that God is in control that people credit him for things that he's never, that he never wanted and that he never chose. So hang with me here because I know that that's kind of a shocking statement. God is in charge, yes, but he gives us free will and he is not a controlling father. He allows us to make our own choices, which doesn't always work out so well. Just ask Adam and Eve. So when yours, mine, or someone else's sin alters our world, 
Don't pass it off as God knows best or he's in control, etc. Yes, he knows best. Yes, he is all-powerful and all-knowing. But suicide and divorce and cancer and abuse and burying babies, so many of the heartbreaking things we experience in life can be linked back to sin crouching at someone's door and they fail to recognize the full potential of what it could and will do when we welcome it in. Really? You might say, cancer, death, really? Yeah, this was never God's plan. Yes, he cleans up messes. Yes, he forgives. But the remnant of powdered sugar still peeks out at us from its crevices, from the cracks in our lives, reminding us that the way of the transgressor is hard and perfection will not be ours until heaven. Sin starts off small and acceptable. Think about how often we push off warnings from the Holy Spirit, convincing ourselves that we deserve this. After all, it's mostly harmless, right? Or we say, I've had a hard day or a hard week or a hard life. I've got this under control. It's just a guilty pleasure. One message won't matter. One smile, one hug, one lie, one taste, one time. Does it really matter? Doesn't God want me to be happy? I can get on board with the idea of God wanting us as his children to be happy to a certain extent, but where we get confused is when a no from God feels like he's a killjoy, and we chalk that up as religion and push him away. But I want to challenge all of us, find any commandment or instruction from God that isn't for our benefit. Start with the Ten Commandments, for example. Is there any commandment in there that isn't for the ultimate good of humanity? God gave us his instructions on how we are to conduct ourselves because of his great love for us, because of his desire to see us live a life of blessing, peace, and joy. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Have you ever noticed the progression inside this verse? We see a person starting out walking, minding their own business, when something captures their attention. It's appealing, alluring, captivating. Eventually they stop. They stand. They entertain the thought. They're contemplating. Should I? Should I say this? Should I do that? And then temptation wins and they dive in, convinced that our happiness, my happiness matters to God more than my holiness. And somewhere Satan celebrates as our world explodes with an overwhelming mess we never saw coming. If only... The words of regret, if only, if only we would have read the fine print, if only we would take the time to stop and consider the price we are paying when we choose to give in to our temptation, if only we could have started from the end result and worked our way back to the beginning, would we still choose the same path? I'm going to tell you a hard thing too, because this is a message for us as parents. Kids are not resilient. I have worked in ministry long enough to know what I know, and I will die on that hill. I've seen the crushing pain in the eyes of both young and old as they wade through the loneliness and confusion of brokenness. I have seen the heartbreak in the eyes of a little girl with gray hair as she remembered the betrayal and abandonment from 50 years before. There's still a little girl inside who's dying with pain and who's wondering at the hurt and wondering why she wasn't enough. Sin alters. It changes lives. It can be cleaned up, repaired, forgiven. 
but it changes us forever. We can learn to live again, and maybe that's why we comfort ourselves with that lie that kids are resilient. Because we do. We find ways to survive in the wake of brokenness, but when we count the price we are asking others to pay, is it worth it? Is a lifetime of regret worth momentary pleasure? Moms, dads, teens, grandparents, men and women, this has been brewing in my heart for a while now, and I feel a burning in my soul to tell you this message. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. The words of God himself. The price of regret is far greater than the price of self-control. And I want to leave you with five simple but powerful steps towards mastering the enemy at your door because it is possible. We are not victims and we are not without the help of the Holy Spirit. Number one, set boundaries. What are your personal areas of temptation? What are some boundaries you have what are some boundaries you can place in your life to help guard against those temptations? Number two. Drag it out into the open. Tell someone what you're struggling with. Sin grows in the darkness and it loses its power when we reveal it in the light. And I promise you'd rather admit to a temptation than you would to a sin. Number three, stay in the word of God. Read it. Play it on your phone. Write it. Memorize it. We have more access to the Bible today than any time in history. Take time to see what it says. We have no excuses. The word of God is alive and powerful and one of our greatest tools. Number four, pray. Have I ever told you about the power we have available to us with prayer? I know. I know because it's true. And so I say it a lot, but talk to God about your struggles and temptations. He already knows about them and he has the answer to overcoming them as well. Number five, last but not least, sit in the presence of God. Just sit there. Someday we will all have a moment when we will kneel before him. And what will that be like? Can you picture it? Can you picture the moment of looking up into his eyes? I do this so often when I am in my times of worship and I imagine what I'll see when I sit in the presence of Jesus. I picture the scars on his hands across his forehead, but I also picture the love that he has for me. And the reminder brought on by those scars along with the love that I see in his eyes, it leaves me sickened by my own depravity, by my desire to give sin any space in my life. Staying in his presence, it's a game changer. Don't miss out. Thank you so much for listening today. My prayer is that you will use this message to remind you to stop, even if you're, you're standing there. Your, your arms are already in the air and that powdered sugar bag is ready to come down. You can stop. You can stop. And so the things that are tempting you, that have, are seeking to destroy your life, consider the end result. Consider the cost. Is it worth it? Father God, my prayer today is for each one of us listening that we would have our hearts pure and clean before you. God, that we would count the cost of the temptations that we are facing and we would recognize the power that we have inside of us to walk away from temptation and to live lives that are pure and holy for you. Father God, I pray for each mother and father, each son and daughter, each grandparent, that they would look at the things that are tempting them, that are pulling them away from you, and that they would look at the fine print. What will this cost me? 
And God, that above all else that we would desire only to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to share this with a friend or on your social media accounts. In fact, tag me on Instagram and I'll be sure to reshare it on my stories. Also, don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss an episode. I hope that you were encouraged and inspired today. Always remember, your life has purpose, you have value, you are loved, and with Jesus, you can rise above your storm. Get out of the boat, friend. Let's walk on water.